Hi, good evening, everybody on Facebook Live. I think I'm right on the money for tonight. Well, rough of the day. Uh, if you have any questions on Facebook Live, please write in your questions. Um, posted the topic we're discussing. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll start with the intro. I uh, just want to welcome our listeners on uh, Podbean and on Facebook. And you know what? Actually, uh, we are also on Apple Podcast and Spotify if you're listening to this episode. And we should be going to live on Google Podcasts shortly. Uh, but welcome our listeners. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Perfect Piece of the Puzzle Incorporated. And all the opinions on this podcast are solely the opinion of my co-host and I, and not of the nonprofit Perfect Piece of the Puzzle, or Citywide Council on Special Education, or Parent to Parent New York State. And as we always like to introduce our ourselves, I'd like to introduce my co-hosts. Uh, good evening, co-hosts. How are you today? Good evening. Hi. How are you? Hi. First introduction, Ellen, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, my name's Ellen McHugh. I am... Uh, I don't know. What am I? Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I am a lifelong Brooklynite, a parent of three children, and um, a member of this podcast that was created and is the brainchild of Trisha Bermudez. Great. Next time I'm leaving you for last, Ellen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to make everybody cry. <laughs> what are you talking uh, about, cry? <laughs> next intro is Maria. Hi, good evening. My name is Maria Liriano. Uh, I met these wonderful women while I was uh, a member of the Council of Citywide Special Education. Um, I am a parent advocate and a mom of two. And actually, the concept of this, uh, of this Our View came up last year while I was out with Trisha. Um, I saw how strong the power of advocacy was um, within us uh, four ladies and uh, presented it to Trisha and we, uh, she, you know, found that this was a time that for, for us to go ahead and do it and I'm super excited about it and I, I am, you know, proud that we're able to move forward. So I blew it. Uh, <laughs> no, Maria's also going to be. It was last a collab. Time. Maria now is going to be last. <laughs> Gloria, you're next. <laughs> Don't screw this up, Gloria. Um. <clears throat> so, I am the parent of three amazing young men. Um, one who's going to be 28 this year. Typical neural, neurotypical. Um, and two young men on the spectrum. One is going to be aging out in July, and the other one follows right after. Um, all public school educated. Um, I think you. I was born an advocate because um, I even advocated for my sisters at the risk of getting spanked, asking for sodas when my mother prohibited us from asking for anything <laughs> to drink when you went to someone's house. So I think my journey, my journey started way back when, so I was kind of like prepared when this came along. Um, I think it's just in you to do so, um, but been a great experience so far. And I get to meet all, all you wonderful moms out there and these young women that I work with. <laughs> 
You know, I'm going to take over introductions going forward. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> I am too Trisha long. Bermudez. Was it too long? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Trisha Bermudez. I am the parent of one Matthew who is uh, has a rare chromosome deletion. And this wonderful podcast was created to provide a relatable voice for parents of children with disabilities. The information that is included um, it can help you get in direct contact with a person at the DOE for support regarding special education related services in New York City. Um, and hopefully our expansion grows beyond New York City to New York State. And we provide, as you can see, wonderful entertainment in the mix. <laughs> And tonight's topic is parenting while an advocate. Does it become easier emotionally to be an effective advocate while still watching your child struggle? Ellen, you're up. (laughs) (laughs) She's passing. (laughs) Well, as an observer... As an observer of seeing what, you know, because we're, we're all family here. And so as seeing what we are experiencing and going through and our advocacy, from your viewpoint, what do you see? Every stage has its different set of challenges. And if that's not a pat answer, I don't know what is. But the... At the end of the day, it doesn't because society still looks at the family and says, did you do enough? Did you do it right? Did you do it on time? Did you do it with grace? Did you do it with charm? Did you do it well? You know, so no, it doesn't get easier. I think what happens is you become accustomed to it. It becomes part of your persona. And you learn a lot of different techniques from a lot of people. Initially, when people start, they think advocacy is throwing open the door, sticking out their chin, putting up their shoulders and yelling, I'm here and I want this. It's not until you and your child start moving through it and you realize that it's, it's a, it takes a lot of patience, time, and work, not a lot of bluster or posturing to do this. So no, it doesn't become easier so much as it becomes a natural reaction, whether you're advocating for your child or you're saying to the lady in Dwayne Reed, but you know, that says it's two, four, (laughs) you become, it becomes part of your personality. I don't know if it becomes easier. It just becomes part of you. Okay. Maria. Um, so I really never uh, thought of myself as an advocate um, when I first began this, uh, this little journey with the DOE and my son. Um, It was just, you know, he had needs and he needed them um, fulfilled. And, you know, I was going to do everything that I could to get all of the services that was needed. And then I experienced um, how difficult it it was. And um, I saw the need. And I knew that I had to say something because I experienced my own um, needs while uh, growing up and, and in, the, in, in, the, in the DOE. And those weren't really addressed well. So um, it's the reason for my advocacy. Um, is it easier? It's easier for me when it comes to you know knowing my rights and the education 
that is learned, you know, through advocacy that that makes it easier for me to, you know, flow and for me to um, uh, navigate. Um, is it easier when it comes to my child? Uh, no, it's not easier um, because the struggle is still real and no matter, you know, who I know or how much I advocate, you know, the, it, the, it, he will still have a disability and it's, it's a, it, it will always be an ongoing, ongoing thing. So is it easier? No. Um, not it's not easier watching my child struggle um but it does give me peace of mind and it helps me to know that whatever i know i am um paying it forward and passing whatever info i know to the next mother who has struggles gloria how long is our podcast all right, you only have three <laughs> minutes, okay? Okay, so um, I think your persona changes according to the need. Um, I think in the beginning, um, I thought I had been doing everything right, and, you know, CPSE kind of coddles you. Um, you. You're under the wrong impression. You know, it, it changes once you get to the DOE, and there's a, it's a whole different system. And I thought it couldn't happen to me because everything had been going smoothly. And um, six months of no OT without anyone telling me kind of turned me into one ferocious mama. Um, so um, it just became, you, you see the reaction of people. And I think that you learn, like Ellen said, every stage has a different, um, a different challenge that comes with it. But I think if you walk in knowing that I'm ready for the long haul and you let them know you, because time is all I have. And I'm up for the challenge and they know that, um, and I and it's, it's how I advocate not just for my children, it's how I advocate for all children. I think it's important to, um, when I meet a parent, I make sure that they tell me about who their child is because I can only envision myself being the most intense advocate necessary for the challenge at the moment if I know who I'm talking discussing. Um, I be, it becomes my child. And then it makes it easier to say, well, this is what I would want for my child, so I'm, I'm going to advocate just as strongly if this was happening to Steven and to Alex. Um, so, yeah, it, it just, your battle, uh, your battle armor becomes different. You learn that uh, you walk in confident, you walk in ready to negotiate, and negotiating meaning you want to walk away with, but as close to what you came into leaving with, you want to walk away with. So though it doesn't become easier, it just be, you just become smarter at it. Um, and if you're, if you're the kind of parent like I am, you learn to watch those around you and you learn from your peers because maybe your approach is not one that's correct, but you learn and hopefully you inspire someone to find that advocate in themselves. How about you, Trisha? <sighs> ha ha. I'm like, how do I follow that? <laughs> you with whatever you're going through. Follow it with your truth. <laughs> how, how do you follow that? Um I don't think it I don't think at least for me it, it hasn't become easier. I just become numb numb to it. Um just because i mean for for me it's it's a little bit different because i have this whole um 
because he has a chromosome deletion and because it's rare and we really don't know the path and what can happen, but then there's a list of medical things to happen. Um, I've become numb to anything now. Um, I still advocate for him. I still, I still, you know, I still make sure that um, if I interact with another parent and seeing that they're struggling, knowing that I struggled, that, you know, I'll, I'll stand on my soapbox for them and, and for any other kid struggling, but for Matt, um, there's just so many things that I, I never know what tomorrow could bring for him. And I, you know, I, I just come numb to it. There's no really, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just not with all his possible medical complexities, it's hard to um, think, I guess, if that's something. I can't really process things the way I, I feel like I probably should. Because um, I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop. So I'm not really processing everything appropriately, I feel. But I'll still advocate. I'll still make sure that um, he gets all that he's that he should get to be the most successful person that I, I think he could be or might be. Um, but I'm numb, 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 and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because I feel like if I, I had to feel that. and think and process all this stuff, I don't know if I'd be uh, be that much of an effective advocate for him or person. I think I'd probably be curled up in a ball on a regular basis or medicated. Which works for some people. Yes, but not for me. I mean, for for okay. me, it wouldn't work out so well. But no judgments if that's what you if that's what you. No, mean. no, no. no I'm, I'm talking for me. As, as <laughs> no, no, me. I know. I just don't want our, anybody from our from our listening audience to feel like, oh, that's a bad thing. No, <laughs> for maybe no. what they're going through. Listen, whatever, <laughs> whatever. You, each of us, each individual, every that's listener. Added, yes needs to know what they are capable of, their strengths, their weaknesses, and their breaking points. And they need to know what works for them. And I know in, in my circumstance, I know me curled up in a ball medicated does not work for, for, my, for my being in my life. It's not, it's not um, I won't be effective to anybody. Yeah. So being a little numb about this whole process, because I don't have answers. So for me, it's like, if I was to really think about it, I'd be more frustrated than anything else. Because I, I don't know. I don't know anything. There's, there's nothing for me to know. I don't think, oh, no, 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 no. You do know stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, when, it's when people say, I know nothing. <laughs> the only time you should say, I know nothing is when the cops stop you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I should oh my God, say, I know, I know well, nothing. But you I, know I, your son. You know well, your son. Well, I don't you know. know I don't know about this chromosome deletion. So you know, like how you want to be able to. Well, you're not a doctor. I am not, and neither are the doctors that are you're, following. Even the doctors here. don't know. Yeah. Even the doctors don't know. So that that's the part I'm saying I don't know about that, like the medical piece. So I don't want to think about it too much or think about it and just take it day by day and then it is what it is, you know? And process I think it the in most that important moment. thing you need to know about Matthew is that he feels safe, that he knows he's loved, and that he's happy. Oh, Everything wait. else falls into place. And mommy is a 
is a bank. A bank of <laughs> well, supply. maybe you should, you know what, maybe for Halloween you should dress up as an ATM machine. Yeah. <laughs> I should. Maybe he'll learn the numbers. And he can and be the debit card. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then punching numbers off on me. Oh, my God. Okay, so with that being said, does accessibility to administration make it easier to affect change for your child? We started talking about medical professionals. So maybe administration, does that make it easier to affect change for your child or any child at that? Uh, Ellen, what has been your experience? You can escalate something. I hate that word because it's always like you're talking about war, but you can escalate something. Just this as an example. Um, a lady with a child who is in this age-wise is in the seventh grade. He has Down syndrome. He has a developmental delay. When the DOE, whoever does it at the DOE, I don't know who does it, sent out the initial package for them to do their work at home because he had not yet gotten a, a device. They sent out a package that was age appropriate, but had not been adapted for an individual with a developmental delay. She wrote a letter and sent it to the, you know, the person she knew who never passed it on. So we had, uh, it just came about in a totally innocent concept, you know, and, and she was telling people what had happened. So after I got off the ceiling, <laughs> I said, you know, this is a, this is an escalation path. Did you know about this? Did you know about that? Did you know about the other thing? And it wasn't that she didn't want to know. It was that nobody had ever said to her, well, this is the path. It, and part of the problem with advocacy for people who have kids with disabilities is the assumption or presumption on the part of those individuals who are dealing with us. Because not everybody works with you, but people do deal with you. They presume that the baby came with a book, or they presume that there's some sort of genetic predisposition to knowing all you need to know so that you can participate in the conversation. And a lot of times, rather than look stupid or seem um, uncaring, family members will just nod their head. And they, they won't ask the follow-up question when somebody says to them, well, well, you know, you really ought to do X and Y. They won't ask the follow-up question, which is, how do I do X and Y? Where do I go? Do I send? Do I make a phone call? Do I send a, a, an email? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do the, you know, the steps are the hardest part. We all know how to tie our shoelaces, but it took us, you know, how many times to learn how to do it actually. It's not genetic. Very true. Uh, Maria. Okay, so does accessibility to administration make it easier to affect change? Um, it Accessibility gives me some peace of mind because now I'm not in the mode where I'm like, okay, my son is lacking services here. What do I do? Who do I speak to? Like now it's automatic for me. So... Yes, it does make it easier. It does give me some peace of mind. It does help me advocate more when someone comes to me and says, you know, my child has this issue or there, you know, there's something happening. It, it it's it's such a big deal to have accessibility to administration. Like just to be heard, just to know that you know, your child is important, you're being heard, and someone is there to help you. Yes, it does make it easier. And I do not know why there's still not direct contacts and 
uh, emails and people who actually respond to these emails and respond to these phone calls for these parents who have these issues. Um, uh, but yes, it does make it easier to affect some change because just because we have accessibility doesn't mean the change is necessarily going to happen. Gloria. Gloria. <clears throat> so, um, I guess uh, accessibility gives you uh, gives someone accountability. Um, there's a name that's attached to what you handed someone, and there's an expected outcome. And when it doesn't happen, when they were the person responsible for making that change, there's someone to, well, this is going to sound horrible, but someone to hang on the cross. Right, Ellen? But we oh, need the wood, so that. we shouldn't sacrifice anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, we have someone to pin, pin something on that didn't get didn't get to do their job in that moment when it was given to them. Um, and someone's child is sitting waiting for a service, for a placement. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's just really about making sure that, you know, people know who, who is the person you have to send something to. And I tell parents as a, as a habit to make it a habit of CCing. I don't care if you CC your janitor. If they think someone else knows that you contacted them, they're going to start moving. But it's always better to have someone that's above them or someone in their own team because someone has to pick up the slack. Um, so it's really about making sure that, you know, you know who to reach out to and I always make it a habit of introducing myself, um, and I'm going to plug Dale Carnegie. Um, but Dale Carnegie always said that, you know, if you introduce yourself right with your name, people are obligated to give you theirs when you ask for it. Um, so offer yours first and get that person's name. Write it down. I don't give you write it on an envelope, on a, on a, a Chinese menu. Whatever it is that's in front of you, write it down and make sure you memorize it. And say their name the whole time you're talking to them. Get their email address. Get their fax number. Get something that you can get back to that person at some point. Um, I've been I've been famous for getting up at two o'clock in the morning and faxing something, and you know there's no one um, there's no one there congesting the fax line at that time. And then I wake them up at nine o'clock and say, "Hey, I sent you something." And then they look at the time and they go, "It was two o'clock in the morning." Yeah, I was up, <laughs> but. If you get into a habit, it just becomes natural to constantly do it. Um, and if you, make, if you make more than one person aware, then more than one person knows that this job has to get done. Mm. There's another version to that, too. I knew a mother who, who she had a daughter with some difficulties, you know, special needs, whatever. But she never used an advocate. She also had a husband who, who took a lot of medication. So wherever she went, she took a shopping bag full of medication. And when somebody crossed her up, she'd start shaking her medication, saying, I got to take this. I got to take this. I got to do this. I got to take this. You're making my heart pound. You're making my knees weak. I'm going to take my medication. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, go go get some Benadryl and some Tylenol, put it in with a little Ziploc bag. Right. <laughs> shake right. it around. That's all she did was, was shake this bag full of medication. It's veiled threat. What's in there? I have no idea. But it she might had have been skittles. her own style. It might have been skittles. But they, it worked, right? <laughs> right. Like the, the binder of stuff. The binder Do of paper that, that makes no sense that's in the binder, but you slap that Oof. big old binder on the table. During your IEP conference. Right. With a <laughs> whole bunch of highlighted stickers. <laughs> With tabs. And everyone's yes, like, oh. And scribble on the tabs so they think that you've actually used it before. And go <laughs> them. Bend them a little. Make them look worn. Like you've used this book before. <laughs> No, we're giving away all the secrets. Oh, God, they're going to come. That's they're all gonna... right. 
what's the biggest the, the biggest secret is bring your husband. He doesn't or or someone you know, preferably a large male who doesn't say anything and just sits there. Yes. And it never it fails. Works. At the end of the meeting or two days later, someone says to you, did your husband, what did your husband have to say? <laughs> doesn't have to be your husband, it could be your brother. I've experienced that and that is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> you bring I, a friend. I brought my mom. I brought my mom and that's it. She only time. came one time, and to this day, they're like, so how's your mom doing? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they, they figured. They didn't know the, the, the power <laughs> of grandma. They, they figure, mm -hmm. listen, if I'm bad and she's worse, they don't want her to come back. <laughs> so. Exactly. Uh, God. But for me, um. Having accessibility to administration, uh, I, uh, I, ha I, I haven't really had to um, flex my muscle with with <laughs> with, uh, with administration. Um, you know, I, I. I do realize that you do have power in who you contact for for things. Mm -hmm. And um, give an example. I have had busing issues like nobody uh, could ever imagine. And mm -hmm. it's been with when we were in CPSC and now the whole uh, uh, CSE business. Uh, so CPSE was the biggest hot mess. And I realized if I contact every elected official in my district, as well as every news channel that I could breathe or think upon, at least one will get back to me. And um, even though I was very surprised by who came back to me, um, it was most effective for bringing about the change that needed to happen for a child on a bus that had no AC um, and was on the longest unnecessary route for whatever reason traveling within the same borough. Um, but I realized at that point that who you contact, not necessarily those that, that are in the DOE, is where you can affect change. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, one that one tidbit of, of learning, listen, if I can't, get the answers I need from the people that are di in direct contact with my child, then I'm just going to take it all the way up to the top. <clears throat> and nobody wants that because I'm not that person. The other part of that is you don't want to blow your wad. <laughs> you don't want to use up everything. Mm -hmm. Th that's the hard part. So your, your, your child is young or maybe 10, and you know you've got another 10 to 15 years, depending on the child and the situation ahead of you, you know, you, escalation comes in steps, and it's not always necessary. This is my experience. And I learned this early on because I made the fatal mistake of going too far too fast and mm. jumping over things. You know, there are people, thank God, in the middle who don't want things to go wrong. So they, they do want to know. They, they want to hear from on the ground, however you want to put it, poetically or not. They want to mm -hmm. hear from people. They want to know what the stumbling blocks are. And 
if you can establish that kind of relationship, you know, the opposite part of that is, of course, if you establish that sort of relationship, the people that are mucking about are going to have to sit up and take notice. But the person that you're escalating things to is more than grateful for a number of reasons. I don't think anybody wants to hurt a child, but the other thing is they want to prevent it from becoming a blowout. So that's the hard part about knowing when to be or how to or if to advocate. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to the people that are in direct contact with your child first. Exhausting that and then stepping it up to the next level. Exhausting that and then if there's the end of that trail, then you then go to the next level. (laughs) Or... Or just skip right over, <laughs> like I, like I try not to do. But sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you don't have time too. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a time issue. Yeah. It's a, it's a time sensitive thing, and um, when you need answers for this child that's living right now in this time who needs something immediately. You know, uh, especially when it has to do with their health or safety, you know, it, it happens. You got to escalate it quickly. Well, that, that hopefully is, you can escalate it quickly because you've learned a lot. <clears throat> right. Whether it's from someone else or from your mm-hmm. own experience, mm-hmm. you've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, well, ladies, uh, we don't have any questions, comments. Um, We have one comment from Safari, and he states, as long as the child feels that they are not lacking in life, then you are on the right path still, which is the same thing that uh, Gloria mentioned earlier. Um, aside from that, we have no comments. Anybody from Facebook comments? No. So with that, nothing from the live. I would want you guys, the favorite part of the segment is our one, share our happy or funny experience from the past week or an aha moment. Start with you, Ellen. Oh God! <laughs> we we need the update. We need to know. Right, you're the right. most important one. We need to I've, know. I've been waiting. The shenanigans that are happening in your house. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> oh well, the biggest thing is the book club finally finished the book. <laughs> and wonderful. <laughs> yes, it took a while. Um, you know, I think we all meant well. But uh, we spent so much time talking about hoping not to put on uh, 19 COVID pounds or worrying about being rolled out of the front door to the house that uh, it took us a while to get to the meat and potatoes of the book, which was the a book about a group of young men from Washington State who won a, <clears throat> that was called The Boys in the Boat. And in 1936, much to Hitler's dismay, they won the gold prize in uh, in rowing. Uh, it was it was I don't know if it was a success that we finished the book, or it was a success that we got to the point of knowing how to work in teams, because that was the big, the very big message out of that. We need to know what's happening with your cat, Ellen. That's the real deal. What's um, going on with the cat? Well, 
She did it again. <laughs> she took the socks again? No, she went out the window. She was, I, I, you know, it's a beautiful day. You open the windows. I opened the windows and I got a phone call from across the street. Ellen, Ellen, go get the cat. <laughs> so I went to get the cat and the cat had gone out the window with the fire escape and jumped onto the awning of the store that's on the corner and then trolled her way Jesus. over over the over the mail station, over the barbershop, over the nail station, over the florist, just about down to the end of the corner. And I had I had to go I mean it was a little embarrassing. I had to go out the window. You remember those old ladies in the neighborhood who used to lean out the window and yell, you know, yeah. they had a leaning pillow and everything else? That's exactly what I looked like. <laughs> and going out the window. I was, you know, here's this grown-up yelling. And the cat has no name, just so everybody knows. The cat's name is Cat. Great. Oh, oh God, I love great. it. That's great. I'm yelling out the window. Cat! <laughs> she turned that one eye on me and gave me a very baleful look. Like I was embarrassing her in front of the neighborhood. Like, how dare you come out here calling right, me out, exactly. right? Calling me out my name uh, in these streets. Disrespectful. Exactly. <laughs> it was. That was my aha moment. Don't open the window by the fire escape. Great. <laughs> Maria. Um, happy moment. So happy moment this week is that my my son Jackson, who is on the spectrum, is uh, slowly warming up to my four and a half month old baby uh, before he wanted nothing to do with him, his little brother. And now he is um, he's slowly tolerating him being next to him. And he notices, oh, we notice that when the baby is a little hysterical, we take him into my son's room and he calms down. Um, so uh, that's that's been good. That's been good. And so that that makes mama happy. So that was my happy moment. Wonderful, Gloria. Did I did I share that Stephen um, wore a mask? No. So my wow. boys have had because of sensory issues have had a hard time um, keeping a mask on without breaking. Well, Alex breaks them off, and you know he can't be bothered. Um, but, um, Steven requested to go to the pizzeria with his community hab and the deal with, uh, what we said to him was the only way you can go to the pizzeria is if you wear a mask. And he looked at us like, hmm. So we put it on him and he said, pizzeria. And I said, if you want to go to the pizzeria, you have to keep that on. He walked all the way to the pizzeria. He ordered his pizza. He walked back with his pizza and walked all the way to the door. Wow. So now his so now he knows that in order to go outside that you know if we're going to be we can't be socially distant we have to wear a mask. And so he's okay with it. So now he actually um we ordered him one specifically for him that has his um initials on it so he knows to pick that one up when he goes out. And um so the rule is when is he it- comes in we spray it with a disinfectant. And then I wash it at night, and then he can wear it again in the morning. So it's reusable. Yes. So we, we, we used a, a disposable one first, and then uh, we finally figured that, you know, the disposable, not every pa- not every uh, disposable mask is made with the same material, so some may be easier to put on your face, others may be itchy. So I figured we, um, we ordered a cotton one because he totally tolerates cotton. Um, and that kind of worked out. So it, it looks really good on him. Um, he is so happy to wear his mask um, because he gets to go outside. Um, I think he's tired of just being home. <laughs> you know. What does, yes. what does his brother say? 
Alex is like, yeah, go ahead, bro. You you go do that. <laughs> so he'll happily look out the window. He's fine with it. <laughs> so what we do is with Alex, I actually just stick him in the car, um, and we drive around because he doesn't have to be socially distant for me, and I certainly don't want to keep him trapped inside. So, you know, we do have our outings, and we just drive around, and he can look out the window, and he feels like he's part of the world still. So that kind of works for him. Love so we're still, we'll continue to work on it. That's great. So, <laughs> yeah, mine's not wearing anybody's mask. I've been trying, but a no-go. So, <clears throat> but it's not like I'm going far anyway. From the car, from my house to the car, from the car to my mom's house, and then in the event of having to make a bank run, <clears throat> I usually strap him into one of those baby carriers to my to my back. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my uh, effort of socially distancing and uh, keeping people away from him and him away from people. Um, but this week we were after our week vacation, and this was our first week into the new plan, I uh, he did very well. He did really well. Um, all the therapists have been receptive to the new regimen. And um, it's, it's going well. I spoke to his teacher on Friday. <laughs> and, I, and I guess I got some pity. Because, of course, the power of call that is, I'm like, listen, okay, I work two jobs, and I have this kid here, and my mom's not, not here, like, come on now. So the teacher this calls kid that just showed up and lives there, right? I'm like, <laughs> Ruining my fun. But the teacher called and was like, yeah, so just, you know, just let me know. She's like, I know, I heard. She's like, you have two jobs? And I was like, yeah, I got two jobs, a nonprofit, and my mom's uh, away. So, yeah, I'm doing this party by myself. <laughs> and there's no breaks. So, <laughs> then she's like, she kind of like, well. And I was like, listen, we're only doing an hour and a half of schoolwork <laughs> a day. And if you don't, and pretty much I said, if you don't submit your stuff in the time slot that we have chosen, then it just won't get done. <laughs> and we're moving on to the next one. So she was like, yeah, 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 no problem. I totally get it and kind of calmed her down. So I'm very pleased by my new schedule. And um, yeah, I don't think they can say much about it at this point. What are you going to tell me? No, you must you must do all these hours. Get get out of here. Then come take this kid for them hours so I can get my work done. <laughs> like take him somewhere outside of here. Let me work my two jobs. Kind of cram them into two days at least. Like let me have that. So that was that for the That's week. That's skill right there. That's right. All mommies take note, please. Take note. Create your own schedule for your own home. And then you contact the teachers and the therapists and you let them know what the new schedule is, how it's going to work. And then you will be a happier person, just like Trisha. Darn skippy. We start at 9. Okay? That's what time we started the day. And our day ends at 1.30. Let's work it out. We have snack time. Listen, I I be exercising in here uh, five days a week. I'm exhausted. Can't do it. Mm -mm, not anymore. I'm not killing myself. I'm barely sleeping as it is. So they some if they want him to work more, by all means, come to this. Come on over. They have, my, they have my address. No, not even with your mask. You can pick him up outside my door. He'll be waiting. <laughs> mm -mm. Take a work so I think yard. that I think if you have a child with an IEP, you should get an ASP, an adult survival plan. 
Man, listen, it should come with alcohol <laughs> and food. <laughs> a no survival plan means uh, go on vacation, <laughs> retreat. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that's first on the list. That's first Take on the a list week off, vacation. regroup, plan it yourself, and come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. There you go. Destination unknown. Good to see you right. when you get back. <laughs> No, you know where you're going. You just don't want to tell anybody. Yeah, else well, they, exactly. Well, to the to the person inquiring, you don't know where I'm going. I'll tell you right. when I get back. <laughs> but ladies, it's been a wonderful uh, time chatting with you. It's the end of our episode. Thank you, All listeners, right. for listening in. Thank you. Uh, folks on Facebook for tuning in and listening. I appreciate it. Um, stay tuned. We have big things coming. Peripherally. And big people. Big, big, big things, big people. Um, if you are, are on or following us on Facebook, a questionnaire is being circulated because we want to hear from you. So when the big people do come on, we can share with them the voice of the parents. So there's a Google Forms. Fill it out. That's we right. want to hear from you. It's um, We're getting some feedback. We want to hear more. Our, our target number is at least 100 parents. If we can get that, um, that would be nice. Um, yeah, and stay tuned. Tune in. Um, keep abreast. Be um, vigilant of things that's going on um, around you. Take care of yourselves. Thank you, my wonderful, absolutely amazing co-host. Uh, say goodnight, co-host. Good night, co-host. Thank co-hosts. you. Good night, co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. Bye.